If you're in Pennsylvania, you've probably heard about this music service learning organization. Well, what is it? What projects do they do? And how actually can you get involved in it? Well, that's what we're talking about today on PMEA's Take Note podcast, presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. Uh, so Dr. Marcy Major uh, is an associate professor and the chair of the music department uh, of the music education department and music therapy at Westchester University, uh, as well as the founder and director of the music service learning organization, which is, is kind of the bulk of what we're going to talk about today. Um, but uh, first of all, Marcy, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So let's start with, uh, before we get into this whole music service learning project, uh, I'm just curious, uh, what has life been like teaching at the university level for you during a pandemic? Well, I mean, I think like everybody, there have certainly been a lot of challenges. We're all online at Westchester with the exception of classes that have to meet in person because they really can't meet online, like wind ensemble. Um, and they have you know, systems for safety and everything and those courses have met. But all of my courses are online, all my meetings are online. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of limits. I teach choral methods, for example, and it's been hard to not be able to sing as a group and talk about choral rehearsal techniques. But the piece that I love about it is it really has highlighted some ways that we might positively change the way we present and teach music education in the future. And so I do hope that I, and I keep saying this to myself and I don't think it's just a coping mechanism. Like I really think I believe that when we are back to more normal life or we're all vaccinated and, and university life is back that we take a lot of the positives that have come from this new style of learning that have really pushed me as an educator you know, to be better as an educator and that we find ways to really meaningfully implement them into back into our teaching. Uh, can you give me an example of one or two of those? What you yeah, think? Yeah. So one of the things that I love is just the the focus on the individual, right? Um, I work with the Kennett Symphony Children's Chorus, and you know, normally what we're doing is we're planning for our concerts and we're planning for the the big culminating events. And I never really get to know their voices that well. Well, now we are meeting online. We're not even trying to, to plan a concert, right? That's not even something that we're doing. And instead we're doing deep dives into texts and we're listening to music together and we're having these really open and vulnerable moments come out of these conversations um, and I just feel like I'm getting to know them so much better. And I feel like I'm getting to know their voice so much better. I'm hearing them sing individually because that's really the only way you can do it via Zoom. And so I just love, I love that personal piece that I often was missing, um, missing in, a, in, a, in an ensemble setting. And it's the same for classes. Like even in choral methods, I feel like we can focus on different kinds of projects and how the choral ensemble and rehearsal might look different after the pandemic and I feel like that is something that I want to keep forever. I, I, it's it's so strange uh, if you think about it if you if you go out to the 30,000 foot level and you say okay we're, we're in a pandemic everybody's at home and is isolated right but I have felt so much more connected to 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 people outside of my area because we have this technology and so oh let's have a happy hour let's let's 
let's connect and just chat and catch mm -hmm. up. So I, I get what you're saying. It's so much more personal now than ever before. Yeah, really. I mean, it was the exception before that I might zoom in a guest speaker to my class. And I think now that's going to be the the norm. I think I'm going to zoom in guest speakers all the time now, right. even when my class is sitting there all together. And so um, it was possible before and, and we did it once in a while, but I just don't think that we felt like we understood, I, I just don't think we understood its full potential. And that really has been blossoming throughout the pandemic. I, so I just love all music educators are really good at finding the positive. And this is just mm -hmm. another one of those examples. So like, here's the positive of this situation. We're, Absolutely. We know it's going to go beyond this. Yeah, what else are we supposed to do? <laughs> That's exactly, you're exactly right. Um, so let's talk about what, what you're really here to talk about this music service learning organization. And I think a lot of people have heard about this. Uh, yeah, it's okay, out great. there. Um, but I think the question is, what is it? So what, so give us the, the, I don't know if you can do a thumbnail sketch if it's that small, but what, what is music service learning? Well, I think, first of all, I need to say that what it started off with as and what it is turning into over the course, we're not even a year old. We will be a year old on March 13th. Um, it, it's changing and morphing. Wait, 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 wait. March 13th, the day the country went into a lockdown, Friday the yes. 13th. Friday the 13th. I did I not realize that. I sat in a meeting wow. with, with, my, with my colleagues and we, uh, one of my, my uh, one of our co-founders, um, Adam Gumbel, he he like texted a friend and said, I need a logo. And we got a logo that day for. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, we will always remember yeah. the beginning of the pandemic as the birth of music service learning, right? And, um, and it's true, you know, I should mention before I even say anything, this has only been possible and it has become almost our mantra that it's collaboration. We are an organization that believes in collaboration and, and a true collaborative effort where everybody gains, everybody offers and everybody gains. And I have lived it by working with my colleagues, uh, primarily Adam Gumbel, Lauren Riles and Aubrey Windish, who have been together, we have just been able to do all kinds of things together that we never would have been able to do individually. And music service learning, you know, we started as a response to the pandemic, right? That was this idea. We had been talking and we had been thinking about ways to get students into more meaningful situations earlier in their college careers. And then suddenly we were facing student teachers who were displaced and field experience students who had no no option of doing any kind of field experience. And then we had teachers who were panicked. How do I do this? How do I do that? How do we help, help, help? That's all, that's all we read on social media. And at first it was like, okay, well, we've got students who want to learn and we've got teachers who need help. So let's, let's do it. Right. And we just started assigning people we just started assigning interns to teachers, go help, go help, go help. And, and there a lot of good came of that, a lot of good came of that. But then as we've been moving and we've had time to breathe, we took the summer off, we've had time to reflect on what is capable for the interns to do, what teachers truly need um, and what, what it looks like, this theme of collaboration keeps coming out. And so what we are turning into is an organization that takes an idea an idea from anybody, an idea from a teacher, certainly, but from a parent or from a music student or from you um, in PMEA or from any 
organization, an after-school program, any organization that has an idea, but in order to realize that idea, they need a team. And we have been putting together these teams. And if you go to our website, you'll see we've just been working on endless amounts of projects because these are the ideas that come. And then we pair the people that have all the strengths to work on these teams. And we mentor these teams and we get these ideas off the ground. And we call it a win-win-win because everybody wins, right? The interns win because they're using their skill sets that they have, but they are also gaining skills by working on the team. Teachers win because they're getting the support that they need to realize any idea, but they also um, they also are giving. They are giving of their time and of their talents to help these interns be successful. You know, they know their students' situations, and so they can help make the idea a reality. And then, of course, anybody once the idea is implemented, anybody who's affected by that idea wins, right? So all the students of that teacher's classroom win, or all the students at the university win, or all the students in the after-school program win. Um, and so it's just, it's been a win all around. Uh, I have so many questions now. Okay, Good, so no. <laughs> so let's give me, uh, what, what are some of the projects that, you, that you've worked on? Yeah, so, okay, I, I can talk about project examples all day long, but before I do, I really have to say this. It's easy for people to get caught up in a project, right? And not see the big picture of the organization, which the big picture of the organization is we can do any project, right? So like whatever it is that you want or you need help with, we can put together a team to do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and you and whoever puts in the request, they have to be part of that team, right? So for example, right now, we've put together a brain trust. And the way that the brain trust is working is we had a teacher who wrote in and said, I inherited this curriculum. And it has these lesson plans in and I know that they're outdated. And I know that they are old and and maybe even in some places just downright wrong, right? And I need to redo this, but I don't, I don't have time to redo all these lesson plans and look at all this curriculum. Can music service learning help? Well, of course, music service learning can help. So what we did was we took that teacher, we took a um, music service learning artistic board member who has a lot of experience with curriculums. We took four, might be five, I think it's four interns who are from different universities and we put them in a room together and they, well, a virtual room together and they meet once a week for five weeks. And every week they have this, uh, a, a a chunk of the curriculum that they look at and that they examine. And then they go to the teacher and they say, all right, you know, this is really good, but this is what we would change. Here are our ideas. Well, then the teacher says, well, that's a great idea, but I don't have those kinds of instruments or I don't have this. Oh, okay, well, here are some other. And they work back and forth to create a curriculum that is more updated, more usable, meets the teacher's situation. And man, the interns are just blossoming because A, they're actually working with and seeing curriculums, which you don't often get a lot of that before you're in school. And two, they have so many ideas based on their expertise, right? Um, so they're able to talk about, oh, you know, well, in this world music class that I took, I wanted to try blah, blah, blah. Now I can research and put it into this curriculum. Oh, well, I'm a saxophone performance major and um, a double major. And so I can, I can take all of my performance stuff that I've been wondering how I could package for a curriculum and put and contribute in that way. It's so important 
to realize that everybody has something to contribute, right? And so a, a first year intern who just graduated from high school, they have something to contribute. Usually it's energy, enthusiasm, and time. A senior music education has so much to contribute. They are at the prime of their instrument. They have just taken music history, music theory, and orals. So all of that is really fresh in their brain. You know, they, they can tell you all the difference in all the augmented sixth chords or whatever, something that I have long forgotten, you know? Um, and the teacher has comes with that expertise too, but they also need that support of what these interns offer. And so that is one example of a collaboration, but we've, we've had so many, we had a teacher who asked us to record her, um, composition projects and give some feedback. So the string players in her program, they composed for string quartet, but they couldn't play the string quartet. They just composed for it. And so college students recorded those string quartets. We, um, we've made the virtual ensemble more educational. So instead of just sending in your virtual ensemble recordings, you know, 150 of them going in, our interns actually go through each one and they give feedback to the students. I'm um, sort of like, like an, uh, a private adjudication, mm -hmm. right? So thank you so much for your submission. This has been amazing. This is what I think you're doing really well as you continue to practice, consider this and this and this. Um, so we've just done, so I could keep going on examples, but I think you get the idea that it's just, um, it's whatever it's whatever someone dreams. We've had interns who have dreamed up projects. So we have one intern who came to us and she said, you know, I think I've been always wondering why we don't have a lot of chamber music in, in schools. And I think now might be a great time to be able to get students to think more about chamber music and how they can work together in smaller groups and be empowered to better themselves when, without the direction of a teacher in a large ensemble setting. And we worked with her last semester, we piloted a chamber music project. And this semester we have uh, four or five schools who are signed up to participate in the chamber music project. I had a student who come, came to me and he said, I really would like to showcase my bilingual skills. I'd like schools and teachers to know, you know, and I'd like to practice and I'd like to work on this. And I, I said to my interns, how many of you uh, wanna, wanna do this with your bilingual skills? And I had about four of them say me, me, right? And and so we have been transcribing um, documents for teachers who need it. And we have been, we have a, a video series of tuning stringed instruments that is in Spanish um, that are about to launch on our YouTube channel. And so it's anybody's idea that we can make real through the process of collaboration. And then this is all open source. So you go on the website and here's the YouTube channel and here's this project. Yes, and anyone we have tried, can come yes, we have tried very hard. And I will say that we are we are almost incorporated as a nonprofit. Our paperwork is in. And so we're we're in the waiting game. Um, so we do hope to at some point get donations or grants or something to help make this a little bit more sustainable. But currently we've been charging nothing or next to nothing for um, for certain projects and the interns are all volunteering currently because it's tied to our field experience hours at schools. Um, and so we do have a goal. One of our long-term goals is to be able to pay interns for their service um, as a way of helping them prioritize having experience in music education. So you think about it, you know, a student works 10 hours a week at the gap, making minimum wage or a little bit more, you know, at Starbucks, hoping that they get big tips. Well, what if they could work 
for music service learning instead? What if they could have that experience in music, make an impact, create resources that are available for, for everybody? Um, it, it would be an amazing model. So to clarify, you're, you, some of the examples are talking about a teacher came with this idea. Is mm -hmm. this just music education centric? Or if you're an after school program, is this a place to come? Is this kind yes. of for anybody so, in our ecosystem? No, yes, it's everybody. So we've had, we had a group of parents who came and they said, you know, my su our students are in this learning pod. They're all in this learning pod together, um, but they haven't had any music education and we would love for them to have some music education. So we went and we did an outdoor socially distanced drum circle. Each kid had a drum. We put them six feet apart. They wore their masks the whole time. We gave them wipes afterwards, but they were able to make music together. And yes, it was only for 30 minutes and it was only once but it was something that just, you know, lit a little fire in them and made them excited about music eds. And that was from a parent. We have had after school programs. So Crescendo, um, Crescendo Phoenixville, which is like a El Sistema style after school violin program. Um, their director, Liz Grimshaw, came to us and said, I could use some support with these projects that we're running on Tuesday and Thursday nights to help keep the students interested in music. And so our interns are working on those projects. Um, the Choir School of Delaware um, asked us if we could help listen to some of their virtual recordings and make notes of, you know, like where a student had messed up or where there were errors or those kinds of things. So we have helped on all different, all different levels. I love the uh, the concept of sharing that is weaved through everything I've heard. And uh, I saw on your social media uh, last week um, this call for teachers to, hey, can you react to this question? And it's about the beginning of Black History Month and diversifying what you're teaching. So uh, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, yeah, you've talked about these projects, but it really is about how do we all kind of connect together somehow? It, it really is. and. For us, we, we are creatures of habit, right? It took a pandemic for me to realize that I could bring in guests via Zoom. I mean, I knew it, right? Like I knew I could bring in guests via Zoom and I had once, maybe twice brought in a guest via Zoom, right? But it took a pandemic for me to realize that this is something that I could do or that would be okay for me to do or that I would have the resources to do or, or whatever. And so that's what I love about this organization because we are helping people realize that you don't have to be an expert in everything in order to do something, in order to make something happen, right? And so, yeah, you don't know what to do for Black History Month. We had a, we had a teacher who wrote in and said, Honestly, I'm not sure what to do for Black History Month. And that's great. That's not a mark against that teacher. That's not saying that that's a bad teacher. That's saying that that's a teacher who, like all of us, can't do everything and everything all the time, right? And so what do we do with that teacher? Well, we find out about her classroom and we find out about her needs and we put together a team with her. And she says, well, these are the kinds of things I was thinking about. And we say, these things are great, you know, but let's also do these things. Now let's put it together. Let's create a unit. Um, and now you can do so much more than you ever thought you could do simply because you have the collaborative force behind you. Um, and then that's great because the outcome of her project will make available on our website. And then someone else will say, oh, well, I was kind of wanting to do something too, but I was, I was too afraid to ask, well, you know what, here, here are resources for you to try something new. So we don't always just have to continue to do the same or wait for the next pandemic to shake things up, right? <laughs>
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've talked about so much, uh, you know, in the music ed space, how, how in the past, I guess, almost 11 months now, there's been more professional development than probably in the past 10 years. And there's also been more of that connection uh, as well, just because we're all in this together and we've all got to figure this out. And folks like you in, in this project are saying, okay, but what? Are, let's go beyond fixing that immediate need and how do we make this work beyond? I think that's so yes. crucial. Yes, and I love that you're getting that from what I'm saying because I feel like you're like you're really hearing me because it's not just about it's not just about tomorrow. It's about how do we make this feel better through these collaborative through these collaborative efforts. And sometimes it's not just enough to have a professional development. I mean, how many times have we sat in a professional development and said, "Oh, I would love to implement that in my classroom, but I don't have the time to figure out how to convert all my lessons and figure out the program and then write all the materials for the students and then grade all their submissions. And I don't have time to do all that while I'm also doing everything that I already do. And that's where that's where the power of collaboration comes in because these interns, they, they want to do those things, right? They are, they are dying for those experiences um, to, and it's just so meaningful. And they have such fresh and unique perspectives. And because they come from universities all over the United States, you know, they bring such diversity to the collaborative efforts. It's, it's awesome. And, and that benefits, I mean, you've talked a lot about the, the benefits and I'm, another one that I'm seeing is just looking at from the outside is the connections that they are making with future colleagues. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then that just helps everybody in this. So, okay. Yes. So let's say I'm out here, I'm listening to this and I say, oh man, I got some ideas that I would, I need some help with. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I don't know how to synthesize it. And maybe I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, or maybe I do. What do I do? How do I get involved with what you're doing? You just go to our website and submit a request. And the request form is pretty open-ended. And basically it's just for us to collect some basic information. And then you'll get an email from me, um, probably. Um, I do most of the vetting of our projects. So um, we've learned that we have to be careful. There are a couple of things that we don't... Um, we want to avoid, let's put that way, right? So for example, we want to make sure that we're not taking someone else's job. So if a parent writes in and says, I'm looking for free lessons for my student on saxophone, right? Well, there are studios that give lessons and that's their livelihood. And I'm happy to put you in touch with one of those studios. Or if you can't afford private lessons, there are programs that exist that have the grant money for you, for your child to take the private lessons, right? And so I, we have to make sure that it's a project that is appropriate for music service learning and not something that is a project for a different organization. Um, we also have to make sure uh, who the project is benefiting and how. So um, for example, if you are writing a book and you want us to do some work for that book that you're going to sell through a publisher, it, that's not exactly ethical for me to ask students to volunteer to work on. And so, uh, but we might be able to pay the students. Um, and so we, we would work out those kinds of details. Like what is this going to look like? How long is it going to take? What are the outcomes? What kind of team do you need? What kind of skill sets do you need from the interns? Then, uh, so we would talk that through, um, usually via email, although I, I do meet with people who put in requests. And then we, we, we sort of come out, up with a plan. And it, 
a mutually beneficial plan, right? So something where you feel like, yes, I'm going to get what I need and something where I feel like, yes, uh, we're going to music service learning is going to get what we need. And then we put the plan into action. Um, once the plan goes into action, there is a supervisor role assigned to the team, which is one of our artistic board members. And they kind of oversee the project as it's happening. And then we usually put one lead intern in charge of the project as well. Um, so that way, say it's a teacher, you know, the teacher is working with the supervisor and the lead intern to realize the project and the intern will organize a team of interns, right? So let's say you need some rehearsal tracks, a virtual ensemble type thing, and you want some feedback to your students. Well, you're going to need a team of five or 10 students to get through all those recordings. But, um, but our, you know, though that team of three is going to set it up. And so um, the I guess the system is in place and then the other interns just fill in, you know, but we don't make your virtual ensemble recording because there are professional companies that do that right and so we're happy to make a recommendation if you're willing if you want to have a professional ensemble made, but we can help with that educational aspect. I appreciate the flexibility that it's not just here, fill out an application and we're going to approve or deny it based on our criteria. I mean, I really feel that that you, how can we really help if this is a project that we can, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it. Um, and that's so evident on your website. That's so evident on social media, the website oh, musicservicelearning.org. Yeah, musicservicelearning.org yes. Uh, and, and check out the social media. And, and I was just, you know, th there's, your YouTube page is is filled with stuff. You have a podcast. Can you can you we're quickly run out of time? But can you give me the the thumbnail sketch of the podcast? The podcast was just our way to transition students from being interns into becoming professionals. And so we, it's reflections. They're all in their first year of teaching. They were interns last spring. Now they're professionals this year. And they send us recordings from in the moment, right? I just got observed from, by my principal, or this student just came up to me and said, or I just taught this lesson and it was terrible, or I just taught this lesson and it was amazing. And so we hear they're not hindsight, but in the moment, stories about their first year of teaching and it's a lot of fun i hope you'll i hope you'll listen yeah and and so we'll have all the links to that uh on the website um and and marcy thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us uh will you come back and talk to us again in six months or so because i want to hear Absolutely. how this evolves because yeah. we're less than a year old right and that's it we're looking for collaborators we're looking for people who want to work collaboratively you want to be part of msl you want a project through msl you know just reach out to us and let's work together awesome and and again proving i think that music educators don't sleep uh yeah. because you know the, the, the couple minutes we talked about at the beginning, you're very busy as it is, uh, already teaching at the university level, chairing a department, and now you've taken on this. So uh, maybe on the next podcast, we'll talk about what are your tips to work on like three hours of sleep is what I guess you probably- Yeah, that's about, that's that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Marcy, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And to all of you, thank you uh, for joining us on PMEA's Take Note podcast presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. We want to thank our sponsors, the Bucknell University Department of Music, Lebanon Valley College and Robert M. Sides Family Music Centers. We'll see you next time.